Hey dads, before we jump into today's episode, I want to let you know about a great resource we have for you called the Dad-Son Challenge, 10 manly activities that dads and sons can do together. These are fun activities that you and your son can do to help both of you get better at being men that are based around the five marks of manhood that we talk about in each episode of Manly Tales. So go to manhoodtribes.com challenge where you can download your free dad-son challenge today. That's manhoodtribes.com slash challenge. Welcome to Manly Tales, stories for making men out of boys, a podcast for dads and sons to listen to together. I'm Don Ross, the host of Manly Tales, and each episode you'll hear my sons and me talk about the stories that are inspiring and teaching us about what it means to be a man. We're excited to have you listen in with us. This episode is part of Season 2 of Manly Tales, where we're talking about the Knights of the Round Table. Today's episode is about Sir Gawain. Let's listen together. Hundreds of candles lit the great hall as Arthur and the knights joyously sat at long tables filled with roasts, vegetables, fruits, and pies as they celebrated Christmas Day together. A warm and lively energy filled the air as the men laughed and feasted. Nothing, it would seem, could dampen their celebratory spirits. Until the great wooden doors to the banquet hall flew open, slamming into the walls. A gust of cold wind swirled into the hall, blowing out many of the candles. There was an unnatural chill that filled the air as all the knights stopped their revelry and quietly stared at the entrance to the hall. From the shadows beyond the doorway, a towering humanoid figure stepped into what light was left. He stood at least a foot higher than any of Arthur's knights and was holding an enormous axe. At first glance, he seemed bursting with sinewy muscle, but upon closer inspection, his form was composed of interwoven vines twisting around each other from thick to slender to give him form. As the knight's eyes followed these vines up to his head, comprised of the same flora, he had a square-jawed feature with a moss beard. The vines gaped around where his eyes would have been, but leaving nothing but dark holes. And finally, there were two expansive antlers protruding from his head. The flickering candlelight cast unsettling shadows upon this hulking green knight, and only added to his formidable visage. Arthur and his knights sat in stunned silence, taking this green knight in, as the towering figure glared at them with his hollow eyes, an unnerving smile began to curl on the Green Knight's face. The happiest of holidays to you all. In celebration, I have a game for you. I will allow any one of you to strike a wound to me this night. I will not lift my axe to defend or retaliate. But in a year and a day's time, you will travel to the Green Chapel, where I will return the blow. The knight sat in silence, contemplating why anyone would risk themselves in such a game. The Green Knight interjected, I heard tell the Knights of Camelot were the ones of courage and honor. Are you so cowardly as to not take part in my game? Hearing the honor of the Knights of Camelot threatened, King Arthur himself began to stand and draw Excalibur. A young knight, Sir Gawain, seeing his king's courage, but not wanting for his beloved king to risk his own life, quickly stepped forward. "'I accept your challenge,' Gawain said in disdain. "'I accept in defense of the honor of the King Arthur and the noble men of Camelot.' The Green Knight's smile broadened. "'Good,' he said with slow delight. 
Sir Gawain drew his blade and with a mighty yell charged the green knight, who remained motionless, unflinching, his smile unwavering. Sir Gawain considered how he may avoid the repercussions of the game by doing away with this unnatural knight here and now to rid the kingdom of this chaotic and unnatural presence. And with a precise strike sliced through the viny neck of the green knight, his head tumbling and rolling along the floor. For a moment, Sir Gawain grinned, thinking he was done with this odd encounter. But the body of the green knight did not fall. The body began to take steps forward slowly and methodically, and picked up its own head, and with its head in its hands, turned it and looked at Gawain, and spoke from its disembodied head. If you are a man of honor and keeping your word, I will see you a year and a day from now at the Green Chapel to repay the blow you have struck me. Sir Gawain's flesh went clammy as he realized what this meant. And with that, the Green Knight, head in hand, walked back into the darkness, leaving the celebratory night with a dark tone. As the following year passed, Gawain wrestled with what awaited him the day after Christmas. But seeking to be a man of his word, set off for the Green Chapel in the days leading up to this appointed time with the Green Knight and whatever fate was set before him there. Upon this journey to find the Green Chapel, he came across a shining castle where he sought shelter from the harsh winter winds. Upon entering, Sir Gawain was greeted by Lord and Lady Bertilac. Lord Bertilac welcomed Sir Gawain with an embrace. Upon hearing that Sir Gawain is on a quest to the Green Chapel, Lord Bertilac shares that it is only a few days' ride from his castle and welcomes Sir Gawain to spend Christmas with him, his wife, and his trusted advisor, who looked to be a haggard old crone who stood silently off in the wings. "'Are you much of a hunter, Sir Gawain?' Lord Bertilac asked. Gawain, more distracted in thought by what awaited him in several days, did not seem too conversational. Uh, "'Not as much as I'd like, Lord.' "'I fancy myself as quite the hunter, and these winter days make for some glorious and challenging hunts. But I find my quarry.' "'Since you do not get to hunt as much as you like, Sir Gawain, yet it looks as though you could use the rest, how about I make you a deal? Over the next three days, when I return from my hunt, I will exchange whatever my prize is with whatever you gain that day.' Gawain continued to be lost in thought and fear, not thinking much of the arrangement and not wanting to dishonor his host, politely agreed. "'Then it is settled. I love a good game,' Lord Bertilac said with a smile. The next day, Lord Bertilac set off on his hunt, while Sir Gawain set out to try and find some rest around the Bertilac's castle. During the day, Lady Bertilac found Sir Gawain staring out a window at the snow that blanketed the countryside. The Lady Bertilac tried to romantically pursue Sir Gawain. The knight refused, but not wanting to dishonor his hostess, allowed her to give him one kiss. Upon Lord Bertilac's return that eve, he presented Sir Gawain with a stag he had killed, and in exchange, Sir Gawain passed along the kiss that he had gained that day. The next day, the same events unfurled. This time, Sir Gawain received two kisses from the lady and exchanged them for a boar that the Lord had bagged. Finally, on the third day, Christmas Day, Lady Bertilac was relentless and gifted Sir Gawain with three kisses, as well as a green and gold shawl that she said would protect him from any physical harm. Sir Gawain eagerly accepted the sash. Perhaps this will protect me from the Green Knight's blade, Sir Gawain thought, and out of fear for his life did not stay true to his word to Lord Bertilac. That Christmas evening, when Lord Bertilac brought home a fox from his hunt, Sir Gawain passed along the three kisses he had received, 
but kept the magic sash secret to himself. The next morn, after thanking the lord and lady for their hospitality, Sir Gawain, with a protective green and gold sash in hand, set off on his final trek to the green chapel, and to meet whatever fate waited for him there. As he approached outside of the chapel, there stood the towering, fearsome green knight, smile across his face, giant axe in hand, standing next to the large stump. The verdant green of his visage stood out in stark contrast to the white snow that covered the countryside. "'I have come to you a man keeping his word. You may repay blow for blow.' Sir Gawain kneeled next to the green knight, placing his neck over the stump, prepared to receive a death blow from the green knight, clutching tight to the green and gold sash, hoping it would work. The green knight silently lifted his axe, and swung down at Sir Gawain's neck. Sir Gawain's eyes went wide as he felt a shallow cut along the back of his neck. But he was still alive. The Green Knight did not cut me down, but also the sash did not protect me from harm. He heard the Green Knight begin to laugh. (laughs) I love a good game. Sir Gawain turned in disbelief. The old crone from the Bertilac castle emerged from the chapel, and with a wave of her hand, the image of the green knight melted away, and there stood Sir Bertilac in his place, continuing to laugh. The old crone's presentation also changed, and there now stood a pale-skinned, dark, curly-haired enchantress with flowing, ornate, burgundy robes. "'What is this about?' Sigouin asked in shock. The enchantress stepped forward. "'I am Morgan Le Fay. We had heard of the honor and courage of the knights of Camelot, but did not believe it. Sir Bertilac and I thought we would put your honor to the test. You did well, son. I would have spared your blood completely, but when you kept the sash a secret, I had no choice but to give you a slight nick on your neck for you to remember me by. Sir Gawain looked down, ashamed of his lie. Ah, you're being too hard on yourself, my boy. Look how you kept on your word, even upon face of death. You are truly honorable. Thank you. uh, But, if I may... In addition to the scar on my neck, I would like to keep this sash as a reminder of what I learned here today. Lord Bertilac agreed, and welcomed Sir Gawain back to his castle for a proper Boxing Day feast, served by the Lord and Lady Bertilac themselves. Upon his return to Camelot, and regaling the king and other knights with this tale, they all decided from then on to wear sashes of green and gold, as a reminder to always pursue truthfulness and honor. All right. Well, that is definitely one of my most favorite Knight of the Roundtable stories. I love Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. I think it's probably just one of those great medieval knight stories. It's super fun to listen to and to tell again. So I'm really glad that we're getting to talk about it on the Manly Tales podcast. What, what did y'all think about this story? What were some of your like favorite moments or just what you thought about the story overall? I mean, I really enjoyed the part where it was like the whole anticipation of um, Gawain leading up to the fact that like he was probably going to die and he didn't know what was going to happen. And I just thought that was really cool and courageous of him. Yeah, it definitely was. I think you kind of see that idea of like what it means to be a knight. You see it really, really clearly with Sir Gawain in the story. So that's awesome. Colton, what about you? What was one of your favorite moments? Um, when he just like realized that the Green Knight didn't actually exist and it was the uh Lord. Yeah, so it was kinda cool to see the illusion come down and to, you know, get to find out that it was actually Lord Bertilac and, you know, a different character from the story. That was really fun. I like that twist in the storyline as well. So yeah, pretty cool. I you know, one of my favorite moments as well was uh when the Green Knight comes 
originally to the Christmas feast and offers the challenge and Sir Gawain chops off his head and then he just picks his head back up off the floor and oh, the head so creepy. The head keeps talking. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like awesome. It's like a skeletor moment. Yeah, it's so cool. So cool. But yeah, it makes for a really great story and uh really fun to listen to. So okay, when we talk about these stories on the Manly Tales podcast, we love to talk about what we can learn about being a man from these stories. And the way that we do that here on the podcast is by talking about our five marks of manhood, which are strength, courage, skill honor, and allegiance. And we believe that these five marks are things that every man should demonstrate in his life. So as you listen to this story about Sir Gawain, where did you feel like, or, you know, what marks of manhood did you feel like showed up in this story? Um, I think a mark of manhood that I saw was um, courage, because he just was like, I'm going to do this, even though I might die. Yeah, definitely. So he he went and faced what was a really hard trial and, you know, definitely put himself at risk. And that took a lot of courage to do, knowing that uh, I chopped this dude's head off and now he's probably about to chop my head off, too. But he went and faced it anyway. So, yeah, I agree, Colton. He showed a lot of courage. Eli, what about you? What marks of manhood did you hear in this story? Well, I would say um, for sure courage, what Colton said with gun and basically being okay with dying but i would also say um honor because their kind of whole like code of being those knights of round table is honoring by their peers and sticking to their word and having integrity and so throughout that whole thing he was honoring the code of his peers and the knights of the round table by going and sticking to his word and what he said and going to that tavern or whatever to get killed. Yeah, that's really good. I I would agree. I think honor is definitely one of the marks of manhood that we hear in the story. And I think it really does highlight one of the ways that we talk about honor on the Manly Tales podcast that's different than kind of the way that we use the word honor in our culture today. So when we talk about honor today, we usually mean something like integrity, right? That we might say that Sir Gawain had honor because he was truthful and he kept to his word and that that meant that he had integrity. And we kind of, you know, by that, we mean that he was a man of honor. And there's some truth to that, but the way that we use honor as a mark of manhood is not so much about integrity, but it's about uh, doing right by your peers. So when we say honor, we mean that we are trying to live according to a certain set of values that are held true by the other men around us. So it basically just means like the the men that I choose to be around, I want to act like them. And I receive honor from them because I am like them. And what that means is that it's really important for me to choose other men to be around who are going to help me make good choices. Because if the group of men I choose to be around makes a bunch of bad choices, I could still have honor if I'm making bad choices just like they are. Like they're going to honor me for doing like they do. But that's not necessarily being a good man. So it's really important to choose men who are going to help me make good choices and that they give me honor for making those same kinds of good choices. And that was what was going on here with the Knights of the Round Table. They were honoring Sir Gawain because why? What was he choosing to do that they held to be really honorable? Sticking to his word and having integrity. Yeah, that's right. So it was having integrity that they treated as honorable. So it was good for him to be honest and to be truthful and to do what he said that he was going to do. 
And that made him a man who was worthy of the honor of the Knights of the Round Table because that's what they valued. They saw those things as being good and worth honoring. And so it, what that meant is that Sir Gawain picked good men to be around. The Knights of the Round Table were good men. And that's why it was important for him to maintain his honor among them because he knew the way that they lived was something that he wanted to be like. So, okay, let me ask then, like, what this looks like for you guys. How could you live like Sir Gawain and pursue honor in your life? Um, I could just, you know, hit, uh, hang around some good guys at school and who make good choices and will help me make good choices. Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Colton. And like, how would you evaluate that? Like what when you say that they're making good choices, like what kinds of good choices are you thinking about? Like, you know, being nice to other kids and, like, the younger kids at school and, like, you know, just, like, helping them if they need help getting around the school and, like, stuff like that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Eli, how about you? What would what would living like Sir Gawain look like in your life? How would you pursue that kind of honor? Well, I would say for me it would be um, falling good by like my parents and my teachers and doing good on my grades so like having a goal that I set for myself about like grades and homework and stuff and then like sticking to that and following up on it and making sure that I'm following that yeah that's fantastic I I think that's really good too is just recognizing like your family is a place where you want to have honor and so uh, receiving honor from your family means valuing the things that your family values and figuring out how to stick to those commitments I think that's fantastic okay so at the end of every Manly Tales episode we like to leave you guys dads and sons with a couple questions to be able to ask each other so that you can continue the discussion that we have started today so dads we have a question for you and that question today is How can you help a man in your life follow through on a hard decision? The question for the sons is, how do your friends encourage you to make good choices? Okay, great. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and we look forward to talking to you again on the next episode of Manly Tales. We'll see you. See you later. Goodbye. Manly Tales stories are adapted and performed by Josh Burns. For more information about the show, visit manlytales.com. Hey dads, don't forget to download your dad-son challenge, 10 manly activities that dads and sons can do together. Just go to manhoodtribes.com slash challenge.